Welcome to Rejuvenating with Dr. Ron Kaiser. This is the podcast that's devoted to living enthusiastically today and tomorrow and every other day. I am your host, Ron Kaiser. I'm a positive health psychologist. I'm also the founder of Goal Achieving Psychology and the author of the best-selling and recently prize-winning book, Rejuvenating the Art and Science of Growing Older with Enthusiasm. But one of my proudest accomplishments is getting this podcast up and running because it enables me to bring lots of interesting and informative and entertaining people to you to help us all grow so that we can live enthusiastically forever, hopefully. And today we've got one of the most enthusiastic people I know. Cody Dakota Wooten is the founder of the Leadership Guide and host of the Emerge Leadership Connection podcast and now TV show, which is on Entrepreneurs TV Network. He is a heroic potential and legendary leadership coach certified with the John Maxwell team as well as the HeartMath Institute. He's also a member of the Forbes Leadership Council and was a finalist for the Extraordinarian Award for Coaches with Ideas that Can Change People, Businesses, and the Future for the Being. That's a pretty tall task, but uh, I'm sure you're up to it, Cody. So first of all, Cody, welcome to the Rejuvenating Podcast. Really happy to have you here with us. Well, thank you. Uh, that was a, a phenomenal introduction, and I'm extremely humbled to be here. I love you. You're fantastic. Your book is fantastic. Everything about you is fantastic. Well, every time I talk with you, my head winds up swimming because I <laughs> start a conversation. I think I know where it's going, and we wind up all over the place because you're so <laughs> versatile and always are educational. I always learn something from you as well as just enjoying the process of talking with you. Well, so you. why don't we why don't we start talking? And I gave yeah. you a pretty, uh, I think, pretty impressive introduction. Uh, <laughs> but, you know, leadership is one of those things that people kind of know about. They may have some idea about, but it's a little bit amorphous in terms of the actual you know, concept. And I'm not sure that, that all the things I said about you clarifies that anymore. So <laughs> let me start out by asking a real simple question. Hopefully will be simple for you. What exactly do you do, Cody? So, so I call myself a heroic potential and legendary leadership coach. I'm also a speaker and I, I have my own podcast and all that fun stuff, uh, which just became a TV show. I, I'm still trying to remember that one, which is it blows my mind that that's happened. But basically, what that means for me is that I work with people. And in the process of working with them, I have to discover what it is that is their heroic potential. And hero comes from the Greek word, which means someone with the strength for two or more people. And so as you grow into that heroic potential, you gain the strength for not just yourself, but those around you. And that's what enables you to become a leader. 
And once you, as a leader, develop other leaders around you, that's when you start to become what's called the legendary leader. It's the type of leader that other people who are leaders look to as an example of what it is to be a leader. So that's the, that's a small gist of, of what I do. I know what, that you do it very well, but maybe you can tell us a little bit about your journey to get to this point. I know for being a psychologist, you kind of take psychology classes, major, stuff like that, go through an internship. To be a teacher, there's a similar pattern. If you're in pre-med, there's a prescribed set of, of <laughs> courses. I don't remember ever learning if, if I wanted to be a leadership person, leadership coach, that, that there was a prescribed path in that direction. So could you tell us a little bit about yourself and yeah. how you got to be Cody? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, how I got to be Cody, that, that's a whole different question. I don't know if we have enough time for that one. But how I became a leadership coach, really, it's, it started way back when I was young. I was raised by three women. And the reason I was raised by three women is because my mother discovered that my father happened to be married to another woman when he also got married to my mother. And when that happened, she quickly... <laughs> got rid of him. And he had the ability to be a part of my life. He was allowed visitation and all that fun stuff, but he chose never to be a part of my life. And so I went through my entire childhood not having that father figure. Now, I will say that I'm definitely blessed to have the three women who raised me, who's my grandmother, my aunt, and my mother. Absolutely phenomenal people who I gained different things from. Now, not having that father figure, regardless of how wonderful my, uh, my, my three mothers were, there's a part of you that's always seeking to have certain types of relationships. Father's one of those relationships, and that was never a part of my life. It leaves a hole in you. And so I, I kind of grew up having this hole. As I grew up, I also kind of just looked into the world as a whole. And as I was looking, I was seeing just example after example after example of terrible, terrible leadership. And it, it doesn't matter what realm you're looking at. In business, you were seeing terrible leaders who were tearing down organizations that were gigantic, leaving people completely jobless. You, you saw it in our churches where people who were entrusted with power did terrible things that they shouldn't have been doing. Uh, you see it in our families. I mean, I'm not the only one who was, was raised without one or more parents. There are a ton of people who are, who are missing that parent figure in their life. In politics, I, I don't think I need to say any more about politics. But like, no matter what realm you're looking at, there's just this terrible lack of leadership. And I, I heard this statistic recently, which it just gives you an idea to the state of leadership in the world right now. Over 50% of people would trust a complete stranger more than their current boss. That's, yeah. That's powerful. That, that's terrifying, right? That, that stranger could be an axe murderer, and people are more likely to trust the complete stranger than the person they work with, typically 40 hours plus a week. And so, like, I saw this, and I'm like, this is not good. 
<laughs> something needs to change. Like, what is wrong in, in, in the world that so many people are, are feeling like they can't trust the people who have power? And so I kind of, at that point, once I started to see this more and more, made a decision that I wanted to change something about it. Now, from there, when I went to college, I started as a psychology major, actually, because my idea coming out of high school was that I was going to go into counseling psychology because I've, I've always had a passion to work with people and help them kind of become better versions of themselves. It was something like, when I was in school, everyone would come to me for help. It's still something that happens today. Now I get paid for it, which is awesome. But like, that was just a part of who I was. Now, the university I chose to go to, it was um, amazing, amazing university. Their psychology program, though, was not designed for counseling psychology. It, it was more designed for research-based psychology, where you come up with a thesis you test the thesis and then you, you come up with the conclusion to the thesis and then you create a new thesis based off of that, which is fantastic. It's like that is so needed in the world. And it's something that I, I just don't care to do myself. I love to read about it. I love to learn about it. But I, I would rather be applying what works to people's lives. And so I very quickly discovered that wasn't the path I was going to go down at my university. I went from that into business because at my university, I didn't really know what other major to go into. And we, we were a liberal arts college, so I could have chosen anything, basically, that they had available. I could have been an English major. I could have been a, a philosophy major. I could have been a theology major. I chose business because it was basically the most practical. And, and I knew no one was going to question me about it because you get an English major, philosophy major, they're like, huh, what are you going to do with that degree? And I didn't know what I was going to do with that degree. I was just trying to make it through university, you know? And so I, I went with business and doing business classes, I found I was pretty good at accounting. Now, accounting is very different from <laughs> counseling psychology. It's like, completely different ball field. And so I finished doing accounting at the university because I was good at it, went into the corporate world, started doing accounting work, and I hated it because it was like numbers all the time, systems all the time, and there wasn't a ton that I was doing with people. And so I, like, I knew at that point that's, that's not where I was going to go down. From there, I got introduced to personal development. When I was first introduced to personal development, my mind, this is, this is how backwards our educational system is right now. When I heard about personal development at this point, I, my, my first thought was like, I don't need that. Personal development is for people who feel like they're down on their luck, who feel like their life isn't going anywhere. That's not me. I'm not that person. Uh, and oh my goodness, I was oh so wrong about that. Within what I discovered going deep into personal development, I just one, I fell head over heels in love with it. Two, I was kind of angry at my education because these were these were life lessons that I was learning that are so, so important to having success in life. And they like they weren't being taught at any part of my education. So I was kind of angry, but I was just more in love with it. During that time, I found John Maxwell's work who's been teaching leadership for 
50 years, basically. And he's written over 100 books. He's just absolutely amazing in the world of leadership. As I dove more into his work, I basically told myself, I need to do something around this. Because as I was this, and this is when I was really looking at the world and seeing all the leadership challenges we're facing in the world. From there, I, I discovered that John Maxwell has a team. And on the John Maxwell team, they train up people to be coaches, speakers, and teachers. Now, a coach was something I'd never heard of before this point. And I was like, what's a business coach? Like, I know what a sports coach is. I've dealt with a ton of sports coaches. I played NCAA uh, Division Three lacrosse. So I, I know what a sports coach is, but like, what's a leadership coach? What's a, what's a business coach? This, this was a really foreign concept to me. And as I learned what it was and, and kind of the techniques they use, I was kind of like, this is just who I am. <laughs> like, this is just a part of who I am on the inside. If, if I can get paid to do this, heck yeah, I'm going to go do that. And that's kind of where it started. And I've just been going since. Boy, what a story. It's, uh, yeah, it was a little bit longer than I was planning on being, but hey. <laughs> well, the, the whole process that you went through was a little bit longer than you were probably planning on too. But <laughs> it's really, really terrific to see how you came through this thing. I guess what I was wondering just in as you were going through the story is, I mean, there are tons of people who study business administration and get into leadership positions and so on. How does it happen that we have a, a sizable number of leaders who aren't really, I guess, respected is probably the, the right word if most of the people yeah. or many people wish that a complete stranger would come in instead of, is it something about the educational system? Is it something about the people that are attracted to leadership? Are the rewards at that level given for things that aren't, aren't very human? Or, you know, how does it get so screwed up? That is a long, long conversation. <laughs> the simplest way I can talk about this comes from a book written by Napoleon Hill who I think is a, a phenomenal, was a phenomenal author. His most famous book everyone talks about is called Think and Grow Rich. Most people have heard of that, even if they haven't heard of Napoleon Hill. But that book is actually not my favorite book by Napoleon Hill. My favorite book by him is called Outwitting the Devil. And it's, it's, a, it's a fascinating book. It's a dialogue, basically, between Napoleon Hill as an interviewer, and he's interviewing the devil in the book. And he basically, it doesn't explain how or anything, but he has gotten the power to force the devil to talk about how he acts in the world. And within this concept, Napoleon Hill talks about what's called cosmic habit force. And it's kind of like this huge whirlpool. And what happens with a whirlpool is as you get closer to the center of it, it becomes harder to get out of the whirlpool. Within society, we create these whirlpools, these cosmic habit forces around different things. And it, it can impact one generation to the next generation to the next generation. This is where you would get things like generational curses, right? Like the, or, or like your, your, your ghettos, right? Where people are born into them and they have a difficult time getting out of them. It's because you have these, these mentalities that are birthed within these cosmic habit forces, within these whirlpools. And it continues to drag people down. 
Now, within the world of leadership, there are a lot of different problems that happen. There are people who are put into positions of power who shouldn't be put into positions of power. There are misrepresentations of what leadership is, and there's confusion about what it is. There are people who abuse their powers as leaders, and and there is a lack of knowledge passed down from one generation to the next, teaching them how to actually be good leaders in the world. And, And all of these combine and more into this cosmic habit force that we've kind of developed in our world today, where because we don't have these good examples of what leadership looks like, and we have a lot of highlighting on the bad leadership examples of the world, that's what most people see as leadership. And it's destructive in so many ways. And part of my challenge in the world is I have to show people the difference between what, what I would call true leadership or legendary leadership and the misperceptions of what they believe leadership is. And there are so many you have to overcome. Along with that, I I would also say the journey to become a a legendary leader is just not an easy journey. Anything worth attaining is not easy to obtain. And so there, there are a lot of good people who'd like to see the world to change, but they don't take the time, they don't take the effort to actually change it. And a lot of times they feel like they don't have the power to, or they feel like they don't have the resources to. And a lot of times that's not true, but that's the perception they have due to circumstances in their life, due to what society is telling them. And it's basically, it creates this invisible barrier for people to rise up into what their potential is. It's kind of like if, if you've ever seen a flea circus, basically the way you train a flea to always stay in the box is you put a, a, a clear cover over the top of it and the fleas will hit this lid for a while and after a very short period of time they stop hitting it because they believe it's there once that happens you can take that lid off and they'll continue to jump at just below where the lid used to be even though the lid is no longer there this happens with people people hit that lid and they grow over time usually and that lid can raise for them but they don't know that it's raised. And so they continue to jump to the short level that they believe is the the barrier when the barrier is no longer there. In the field of psychology, we're aware of a thing called the negativity bias Mm -hmm. that people have evolved to, to essentially have over the generations that goes back to prehistoric times when people had to be hypervigilant about Wild animals. Like the saber-toothed tiger. <laughs> yeah, storms with, with inadequate shelter, other tribes, things of this nature, so that inherently, unless we really work hard at it, our emphasis, our first impulse is to go toward the negative. And then when you get into a situation where you get you know, poor leadership, it, it reinforces it. So, you know, in many ways... Your challenge, and you do a remarkable job with it, but your challenge is really to overcome what's been imprinted in us over (laughs) over many, many, many years. And I guess I'm wondering then, the kind of person who then seeks out a leadership coach, is it somebody who's just 
gotten overly frustrated? Is it somebody who is more positively oriented and like yourself uh, sees that there might be something better out there? Is it somebody who got his way paid because he works for a more enlightened company or she works for a more enlightened company? Who, who do you find are the people who seek a leadership coach? It's going to be a combination of all of those, uh, just just depending on the person and their journey. There, there are some people who know that there's something better out there and they just can't figure out how to get there. And so they're, auto, they're like, regardless of if they met anyone else, they're going to be looking for how to get to that place. They will attempt to do it by themselves if they can't find anyone else. And they will hit their head and hit their head as many times as they have to to get there. Now, that, that's a painful journey and a coach is very helpful in that. Sometimes they're just people who, who are just very like, they're, they're into the personal development world and they, they know the power of a coach. And so they're like, hey, let's, let's jump on this train, right? People say I need a coach, so let's, let's go with this coach. Great, let's do it. And then there are other people where they, they have the, the fortunate ability to be within a, a corporation that will fund their, their personal development. They, they may not understand what a coach is or it may not have been the first thing on their mind, but the company, luckily, has the, the foresight and understanding to understand that, one, this person is an individual who's worth investing in, and two, knows what types of resources are going to help them reach that potential. And so you have that whole gamut of people, definitely. Now, if you go into an organization or look at a company, it's not like there are 15 leaders and one follower. The ratio is the other way around. How does a person rise out of kind of accepting that fact? You know, obviously, if you're going to go on indefinitely, there will always still be more followers than leaders. How does a person look inside herself or himself and say, hey, you know, it isn't just that I know more than the boss. I mean, everybody says that. But I've got some some real potential that if I don't act on it, it's not going to get realized. What's a person look for in themselves? So within themselves, I, I like to work with people on this it, it is what I call life. It, it's, a, it's an acronym. It's L-I-F-E, life. And, and you can move two speeds in the world. You can move at life speed or you can move at death speed. And a lot of people, unfortunately, move at the speed of death. Now, if, if you recognize you want to get somewhere, you want to be looking at life speed and the four components of life speed. And we can dive in depth on these a lot further, but basically it spells out legacy, impact, flow, and empowerment. And if you can tap into those four things in your life and you can get more of it, that's going to set you up to reach your potential. And once you understand what that is for you, you get two powers with this. One, you're getting somewhere with your own abilities. You're moving further along. But two, now that you have the idea of how this works in your life, you get the power to see how it can play out in other people's lives. And you can help other people towards their life speed. 
that's the power of someone who's really tapped into their heroic potential is they, they not only see it in themselves, but they begin to see it in the people around them. And that's when they really transition from being the follower to the leader, helping not only themselves, but helping other people obtain that life. Now, this is fantastic. I have a feeling we're going to need another, another show to go into, (laughs) but while we're on it, uh, Death is uh, maybe not a comfortable acronym to, to talk about, but not comfortable in, at all. <laughs> but in general, and I know we're going to have to explore it more at another time. But but when you talk in terms of death speed, I mean, what does that mean? An overall kind of concept that uh, what does that mean? <laughs> yeah. So so when I talk about death, I see that there's three levels of death. Each level leads to the next level. Level one leads to level two. And then level three is the, the final death. That's where like things actually disintegrate. Whether it's within a business, the, the business fails. Within a family, the, the family splits apart. Within politics, all of you, the, the followers start to, to trash on the, the political leader. Whatever, whatever arena you want to play it in, that's where the, the death of that leadership happens. And so I'll go letter by letter kind of how this works out. But with D, you go from discontent to depressed. So, so discontent is like you see things in the world and you're, you're just not happy about it. You don't take action to change it. You just kind of accept it as it is. As discontent grows in, in the world, if you've ever heard of the new car effect, whatever you look for in life, you'll find more of it. And so if you're always focused on discontent, you'll find more discontent and this builds up into depression over time. With E, you go from empty to envious. So many people in life feel like they are empty. They feel like they don't have good relationships. They feel like they aren't moving anywhere in life. They feel like there's no hope for them. You know, they're not accomplishing anything. And that leaves them really feeling empty. The more empty you feel, the more you begin to feel envious of other people who have the things you want that you don't have. And that envy can tear you apart because it just, it's kind of like a, it reflects back at you how much you don't have. And so it, it pushes you further down. With A, you go from apprehensive to anxious. So apprehensive is, is being afraid of something bad happening. It's always thinking that the glass is half empty, that you get ready to do something and you, before you even start it, you say, I'm going to fail. That's apprehensiveness. And as apprehensiveness builds up in life, you become afraid of more and more things. You just become anxious about everything, right? You're anxious about getting into the car because you're probably going to get in a car wreck. You're anxious about going to work because you feel like your boss is going to yell at you. You, you. you get anxious about coming home because... The bills aren't paid, your children aren't doing well at school, and, and your wife is angry about you about something you said last week. This builds up into anxiety, so you're, you're always feeling apprehensive about everything. With T, you go from timid to turmoil. Timid is, is being, having the, the lack of courage in life. And, and so many people look at like what is possible, and they, they don't take a step towards it. They just become timid about it. And the more often you fail to step forward towards something, and the more you want that thing, it creates this turmoil inside of you. 
because you, you, you see that thing in front of you and you say, if only I could get that, if only I could start taking the steps towards it. And it builds up more and more until it's, it's just, it creates this glob of missed opportunity that just bears down on you. One of the, the things, sadly, that most people at the end of their life say is, I wish I would have done whatever. And that's, that's that turmoil that's built up in them over time so often. They had thoughts about doing that thing and they just got timid and decided not to do it. And at the end of their life, there's a ton of turmoil. Like, I wish I would have done that. And then H, you go from hopeless to hateful. All these different things leave us just w- without hope. There, it, it's looking into the future and saying, what's the point? It doesn't matter. We're all, we're all going to die anyways, right? So many people look at life like that. And without hope over time, you begin to feel hateful, right? Like the world is against you. The, the odds are always against you. This isn't fair. You know, why was I put on earth if this is all there is to it? You know, and, and you, you might see other people, and this ties back into some of the other things we said, but you see them achieving things, and then you get hateful at them. You're like, hey, I can't do that. I have no hope of doing that. Screw you for being able to do that. And all of this psychologically, physiologically, you continue to have this in life, it will literally kill you. Yeah, it. I mean, these are fantastic concepts that, you know, I hadn't heard of before. And I really am going to have to replay things. And <laughs> but, but one of the things I, I noticed specifically is that emotions that accompany the, the various things in the death area are so much more draining than those in the life area. From a, a practical standpoint, from an intellectually uh, appropriate standpoint, why would one choose one rather than the others? And, and that's the other thing that kind of uh, affected me as I was listening to. A lot of these things are really choices. People don't necessarily recognize that, but they're choices. And I think probably one of the things that we have in common is with the people with whom we work, although we're in slightly different fields, to make people aware of the choices that they have and the power that they have over those choices. Which brings me to uh, a question that is very important to some of our listeners. Uh, As you know, I try to pitch this podcast so that it is of interest to a broad age range, and I think you've been an excellent guest for doing that. But we do have a number of people who are in the rejuvenating age range in the second half century of their lives. And I'm wondering, you know, some of them are not going to be the president of the company if they're still working. Some of them may have retired. What words of wisdom, what contributions can you make to encourage people? Because I I always emphasize the fact that it's never too late to make changes that are positive in your life. From a leadership standpoint, what have you got to say to this population? The first thing that I, I think is really important, you, you just said it, is that you have a choice, right? So many people feel like they don't have a choice. They're, they're like the fleas in the flea circus who feel like they can't go above the lid, but there's no lid. 
there's so much that you can do in really short amounts of time. Like there are so many people in the world who accomplished the greatest things in their life in the last five years of their life. And they didn't really do much before that. And like, you have a choice. You can choose life at any point. And this is like the crazy thing about this is there are people who are literally on their deathbeds who decide that they're going to do something with their life in their final moments. And then they get a couple more years simply because they had a change in attitude towards how they were looking at life. Just as an example in my own life, my grandfather had cancer. He was doing really bad. He like, he looked really bad. It was not looking good. The doctors were telling him it's, it's going to be over soon. And he was living life like that. My aunt, his daughter had a conversation with him and she's like, no, this isn't how you're going to finish your life. You're a man. Go live life. Do something with it. It's not over until it's over. Go do something. And he did. And he like, it's been, I don't even know how many years now, like eight years, nine years, 10, like, like it's been around that time period. And like, he doesn't have cancer anymore. Like he was on death's door and he's, he's lived for like another decade without cancer. This is a choice. When it comes to leadership, the thing is you don't have to be the CEO of a company to be a leader. You don't have to lead a parish to be a leader. You don't have to be a parent to be a leader. Those aren't requirements to be a leader. Those are positions. And sometimes the people in those positions aren't leaders anyways, right? One of the greatest stories that I read, and I don't remember the company it was, but there was this this person working at the company. This consultant came into the company and he saw this person and he's like, oh, okay, this is, this is a person who works at the company. And then he saw that, that woman helping the marketing team. And then he saw that woman helping the sales team. And then he saw that woman helping the, the, the C-suite team. And so she's all over the place helping people get their jobs done, right? And he goes up to, to the CEO and he's like, who's that woman, <laughs> right? Like she's literally everywhere. She was the receptionist. But she was one of the most powerful leaders in that organization. And it's because she recognized what she could help with. And she just started helping people with that. Fantastic story. That's all it takes to be a leader is recognizing what you have to give to people and start giving it. Great. And as a psychologist, I can tell you that the rewards for doing that, for, you know, overcoming that embarrassment, shyness, discomfort, comfort zone, whatever it may be, the rewards are tremendous. Unfortunately, too many people wait too long to realize that. But and, and I would add one more, one more thing. There are so many people in the world who are looking for help. They may look like the most successful person in the world, and I guarantee you they're still looking for help. And so if you have something to give, there are people looking for it. They're all over the place. Like they are literally all over the place. They're probably right next door to you. They might be in the same room as you right now. And if you have the ability to help them, they are looking for that. They are dying for you to give that, like literally dying for somebody to give them help, literally dying. And you can be that person. 
It's a great reminder. And I think certainly one of the leading terms from these podcasts, one of the things that I learned a lot and will keep in mind is there's no lid. I think that's something that we really have to have to keep in mind. I think all of us occasionally fall into the trap of, you know, having a lid that, that really doesn't exist. Yeah. And, 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 and there's that's, no lid. It's human to fall into that. I, I mean, I talk about this and I fall into that trap too. So it's like, I'm, I'm not absolved from it just because I know about it, right? Like this, this is something we all go through. <laughs> well, Cody, this has been wonderful. As I predicted, we didn't get through everything I would have wanted to ask you, <laughs> but I can't guarantee you that you won't be back. You know, I, would, I would love you to be back. Be you're one of my favorite people. You're so much fun to talk to and be around and you're just a, a, an amazing wealth of wisdom and, and just, sheesh, I'm just honored to be with you. Well, thanks very much. As I, as I predicted, I would learn something, I would be entertained and my head is swimming from all the stuff <laughs> that, that you threw our way. And I suspect that that's probably true for some of the listeners. So if they want more of this, and I'm sure many will, how do they get in touch with you? What what kinds of things can you offer them if somebody is really interested in changing the way that they lead their lives in more of a leadership direction? Absolutely. So th- they can reach out to me. My website is www the leadership.guide and there's no .com there's no .org after that it's .guide that's actually how it is you can put a slash after that and and you'll be set to get to the website along with that you can find me on facebook you can find me on linkedin you can find me on instagram all those fun places i'm cody dakota wooten all my pictures as of today's date are this black and white picture of me with this little smirk and like arms folded like I'm some sort of really cool person and I like to think I'm cool but you know I'll leave that up to you to judge and and my email uh cody at the leadership dot guide feel free to email me there and uh, I'd be happy to to see what I can do to help people guide people into different resources that exist I love books so I'll I can definitely guarantee you that I'll have books to recommend to you (laughs) Boy, that's that's just terrific. And for those of you who are meeting Cody for the first time, I can guarantee you he's as authentic and willing to help <laughs> as he says he is. It's been a wonderful interview. I look forward to us talking again, whether it be on a podcast or on some other level. And thank you so much. You've honored me by being on one of the early podcasts of this of the rejuvenating with Dr. Ron Kaiser program. Take care. We'll see you again. 